Filthy Henry and the Impossible Victim, Chapter 10. Trent O'Shea was agitated. The deed had been done. The evidence planted. All that was left now involved waiting for the return of the private detective, which did not seem to be happening any time soon. This displeased Trent greatly, mainly because it meant he had to start practising the fine art of patience. Trent had no time for patience or waiting full stop. In terms of chess, he was the kid that kicked over the table and punched his opponent in order to win. But something about how Brez spoke suggested to the young Garda that waiting was in his immediate future. Even if it did mean missing work. Not that this was going to be too big an issue. A quick call from Daddy and any desk sergeant with a desire to keep his job would ignore O'Shea, the tardy new recruit. Trent sat down on some stone steps that led up to a disused Georgian house on the opposite side of the road to Filthy Henry's front door. He took out his mobile phone and started to play Patience. After twenty seconds, he opened up the web browser and found something more entertaining to pass the time. Filthy Henry slowly took his hands out of his pockets, keeping them beneath the folds of his coat, and looked about the great underground throne room. Upon entering the room, Filthy Henry had noticed a loud hissing sound, which seemed to be coming from somewhere above. Now they had started talking, the hissing noise was increasing in both volume and frequency, like a giant spider was making its way through the shadows. Brez had taken position to the left of the platform, staring with his solid black eyes at Shelley and the fairy detective. On the throne Balor sat, his grey scab-covered eyelid closed. Yet despite this, Filthy Henry knew the god was looking straight at him. To the left of the throne there was an ornate wooden table upon which rested a golden hourglass. The grains of white sand within seemed to be moving slowly, slower than you would expect sand to move. From the shadows above the throne there came movement. A dozen hairy balls poured out onto the floor, jet black and hissing. As each ball stopped, it wobbled a little before sprouting two spindly legs and a matching set of arms. All twelve balls stood up like tubby hairy soldiers. They marched towards the throne and lined up six to either side. The creature closest to the right-hand side of the throne bent down and picked up a long golden pole from the ground, holding it upright like an oversized rifle. They look like giant hairy spiders, Shelley whispered to the fairy detective. He shot her a look over his shoulder that suggested being silent would be preferable to doing anything else. That they do, miss, Balor said, reaching out and petting the pole-bearing creature on its hairy spherical body. Don't mind my skitters. They're merely pets that I keep around. Remnants of the old days, if you will. They lived in shadows before the usurper came and shone his light over everything. Now they're my loyal servants. Usurper, filthy Henry thought. Clearly Balor was referring to the gods above ground, and the usurper most likely was Dagda. He guessed that the gods who lived below ground viewed those that lived above as invaders, usurping them from their rightful place. The only question was how did a country end up with two sets of gods without more people knowing the story? Even the Greeks knew that their gods had fought titans in order to rise to power. Balor, Filthy Henry said, feigning interest in the stonework of the walls around him. I love what you've done with the place. 
Be mindful of your manners, maggot, Brez said, taking a step forward before stopping at a gesture from the grotesque god on the throne. Why, thank you, Henry, Valor said. I so rarely receive guests from above. So you're willing to play silly buggers, filthy Henry thought. Works for me. The fairy detective figured he would take it slowly with these gods. In his experience, people, be they magical or not, tended to reveal something they probably should not, if given enough time. But he knew it was going to be a dangerous game, particularly so far underground. Something about the walls around him made Filthy Henry feel a little claustrophobic, powerless almost. He contemplated conjuring a fireball and keeping it behind his back just in case, but dismissed the thought almost instantly. So by uh, usurper, I take it you mean Dagda and his bunch of gods, Filthy Henry asked, stepping a little to the left so that Shelley was partially behind him. At the mention of Dagda, the skitters started jumping up and down on the spot, hissing louder. Brez sucked on his teeth. We do not mention his name in this realm, Brez said. Usurper's just fine. Indeed, Balor said. I've not exactly forbidden it, but every god in the underrealm knows that the usurper's name is our most reviled word. How dare he come to my land, take over my people as his worshippers, then cheat in battle and condemn me to... to this? Balor gestured at the hall around them. The skitters had calmed down, their hissing once again low. Hey, that isn't the story that, uh, the usurper told me, Filthy Henry said. According to his record keeper, when they arrived here, the mortals were having a spot of bother with the local deities. Maggots cannot have bother, Brez said with a sneer. That would imply they have intelligence. Hey, Shelley piped up, becoming very brave as she used Filthy Henry as a fairy detective shield. Indeed, Brez, watch your manners, the grotesque god said. We have mortals in our midst and should remember to not offend them. More so as they're working to solve how one of our counterparts was killed. Such a thing has never truly happened before, and it's dangerous information that affects both our peoples, the above and the gods. Valor shifted on his throne, his oversized eyes slowly wobbling from left to right. What the usurper calls bother, we call education. Nature itself teaches that only the strongest shall survive. The people of this land were weak and lazy. They cried for help with everything. Better weather for harvests, elders to be healed, shelter for their families. Me and my fellow gods merely thought that they should be shown true hardship so they could strive to better themselves, to improve their lives through their own hard work. So you, uh, you tortured them, Filthy Henry said. Tortured them for their benefit? Balor scratched the top of his scabby eyelid. Maybe we're using the same word, but it has different meanings. As I said, the mortals needed to be shown that they could bring about their own light, so we showed them just how dark things could get. Gotcha, Filthy Henry thought. Balor had nearly said maggots, just like Brez was fond of saying. So right now, the grotesque god was acting, but for what purpose? Was he putting on a show to try and take himself and the other dark gods off the list of suspects. Filthy Henry slowly started to stroll around the edge of the hall, feigning interest in the walls and masonry. Shelley kept two steps behind him, practically crawling into his trench coat in an effort not to be exposed to the gods. 
How come you all don't share the nice and fluffy clouds together? Filthy Henry asked, reaching out and touching a nearby block. It was damp. This was how the lands were divided after the final battle, Balor said, a hint of disgust in his voice. The usurper and his ilk were given everything above the ground, while me and my fellows were condemned to the depths. All beneath Ireland is my realm, my domain. I see everything that goes on here, just as the usurper does above. That explained why Dagda's coin was only able to teleport them to the last place Brez had been. Balor's castle underground was in a separate godly realm to that of Dagda's, presumably one that Balor prevented even his own dark pantheon from directly teleporting into. For fear of them bringing in some good god cooties, if they didn't first come in through the main entrance. If you were meant to stay in this fantastic realm, Filthy Henry said, waving his arms around to indicate the dark and dreary castle they were currently in, then how come Brez was up on the surface the other day? In matters that affect both realms, a representative must be present to ensure that everyone follows the rules so favoured by those above. Keeps us all on an even playing field, so to speak. The death of a god is something that falls under a matter for both realms. I myself can hardly walk around on the surface without somebody noticing my unique visage. So Brez went in my stead. I see, Filthy Henry said. Is this hell? Shelley asked, peering out from behind the fairy detective. Like, is this Celtic hell? Brez snorted. Gods rule places such as hell playing with the souls of dead maggots. This is merely our current accommodation. Filthy Henry scratched the tip of his nose thoughtfully. So this is where the losers wound up. Interesting. But now someone has figured out how to kill your kind, even though you're meant to be immortal, he said. With the help of the skitters, Balor shifted once more in his chair, leaning forward. If his giant eyelid had been open, he would have been looking directly at the fairy detective. Exactly, the grotesque god said. There is no way to kill us. We regenerate. Albeit if we suffer extensive amounts of damage, it takes us longer to get back on our feet. But that level of damage can only be caused by another god. And even then, we don't truly die. A bit of magic, some time away from the fight, and a fallen god will be back on their feet lickety-split. Whoever did this, however they did it, They've achieved something that's impossible. Although I do have a guilty pleasure that it was the son of the healer who was the unfortunate victim. Now the extra unasked questions were being answered. Just as Filthy Henry had known they would be. Balor was being a little too sure of himself. He knew something and wanted the fairy detective to know. Just not to know exactly what. So how come you didn't join forces to try and revive Meek then? One healer from above, the other from here. Then we wouldn't have a murder to solve. We could have avoided enjoying each other's company, Filthy Henry said, turning so that he faced the two dark gods face on. We don't have healers, Brez said. Healers are what the maggots require to help with their fragile bodies. Maggots and weak false gods. Could you watch it with that maggot stuff, Shelley said. I'm getting slightly offended over here. Maggots seek divine intervention to come back from the edge of death, Brez said, staring with malice at Shelley. We gods have no need of such things, unlike the usurper's bunch of cowards. True gods battle and heal on their own. Only false gods would use healing gods. 
gods created by weak human minds. Humans came up with the concept of a god of healing, and thus the false gods have one. They were aided in the battle by the weakness of humanity. But uh, gods who had healers would be back on their feet quicker in, let's say, a war, Filthy Henry said, pushing Shelley behind him once more. The skitters started to hiss loudly again. Presumably they were somehow directly connected to Balor, since he never spoke to them, yet they acted as if he did. Maybe when his emotions changed, cracking that silent armour he had on, the skitters picked up on it and grew agitated. Taking away the fact that his eyeball was huge and closed, Balor's face revealed nothing of what was going on in his mind. That is true, the grotesque god said. But alas, if a healing god is killed, you'd need two to attempt a resurrection. Filthy Henry had learned long ago to trust his gut in certain situations. If you trusted your gut, your gut tended to keep you alive, which was beneficial to both gut and the owner of said gut. Should said owner expire too soon, the gut really had no reason to go on living by itself. Right then the fairy detective's gut had started to tighten and he had a feeling that his line of inquiry was going down a dangerous route. It was time to start asking unimportant questions, followed rapidly by leaving the current premises before bad things started to happen. Would you, uh, if you don't mind, of course, be able to tell me where you both were in the night of the murder? Not that I'm accusing you in any way, but I need to cover all the bases of likely suspects. Valor cleared his throat. The skitters calmed down. Why, of course. All of us gods were here, in my realm. You see, we can't leave here and enter the above world without the usurper knowing. Once we set a single foot in my former domain, the bookworm will write it down in one of his books for the usurper to read later. But Brez was walking around up top only the other day, Shelley said. The usurper granted me a day pass, as he called it. For twenty-four hours, I was allowed to walk in the realm without repercussions. The fairy detective nodded, then checked his watch. He glanced from his arm to the hourglass beside Balor and back again. That thing telling the right time? he asked, pointing at the hourglass. Because if it is, I think my watch must have stopped. Balor smiled, showing a set of yellowed teeth that oddly matched his disfigured eye. It works a little differently to timers you'd be aware of, he said. This one counts down to an event I have a personal interest in. Godly workings and all that. Need to keep track of the years as they pass by. Brez chuckled at the reply, before regaining his composure and scowling at Shelley and Filthy Henry. The fairy detective decided that he had gotten all the information that it was safe to get. He reached behind, grabbed a firm hold on Shelley's hand and smiled at the two dark gods. Well, gentle gods, thanks for helping. We'll show ourselves out. He put his hand in his pocket and wrapped his fingers around Dagda's coin. But the coin felt different. Not physically different. It was still heavy and circular in shape. Different because it had no magical energy coming off it. His mental request to be teleported out of the Great Hall was met with a fat lot of nothing happening. Filthy Henry decided against taking the coin out and seeing what was wrong with it in front of Balor, in case it aggravated the god. Instead, he simply turned around and started to walk towards the hallway that led back to the surface. No problem at all, Henry, Balor said as they left. Happy to help. Please do try and find out who killed Mir. 
This person wields a power that's a threat to all gods, both true and false. Once in the hallway, out of sight of Balor and Brez, Filthy Henry took the coin out of his pocket and looked at it as they marched double time back to the exit. What's wrong? Shelley asked as he dragged her along. I'm not sure, Filthy Henry said. The coin isn't working. But the closer we get to the entrance to this place, the better it's feeling. It still has the faintest of connections back to Dagda that I can see, but it can't teleport us from here. Must be something about the whole two realms thing. Let's just get the hell out of here as fast as we can. Shelley nodded, tugged her hand free from his, and started to walk briskly alongside the fairy detective. And you believe him? she said. Filthy Henry went to answer, then thought better of it. If Ogma recorded everything that happened in Ireland, who was to say that Balor did not have a similar god doing the same for Under-Ireland? It would be safer to discuss things once they were back on the surface. Let's just wait for the debrief, he said, before he added, Helpful bunch of lads, though. Not so fond of the skitters, I'll admit. They reached the bottom of the staircase and took it two steps at a time. Brez stared down the hallway and watched as the two maggots started jumping up the steps back to the world above. He felt dirty, unclean in some way. If gods had need of showers, then he would have jumped into one and started scrubbing. Maggots. Maggots in the underrealm. Worse still, a maggot and a half-maggot, an abomination that should never have survived past birth. How had the usurper and his ilk allowed that to occur? The great and almighty fat man powerless to prevent a half-breed from living. If ever there was an indication that the wrong gods ruled Ireland above, it was Filthy Henry's continued existence. They learned nothing, Brez said to Balor. This was time-wasting, plain and simple. Around the great hall the skitters started hissing. Maggots were in my home, Brez, Balor said in a low and steady tone. Maggots! Creatures that turned their back on me aeons ago. Worse still, that one was here. His progeny. It's a mystery to me how even he is not in some way related to that flashy lightning-throwing fool in Greece. Both of them afflicted with the need to spread their seed among lesser beings and create freaks of nature. Brez did not need to ask who was being hinted at here. The identity of Filthy Henry's father was common knowledge, as was Balor's hatred for him. Well, they're gone now, and their little coin didn't work either, Brez said as he started to walk down the red carpet. I liked that. Liked how they had to walk out of here with their tails between their weak little legs. The skitter's hissing ceased, so suddenly you could have heard a long golden pole drop, which did happen as the skitter beside the throne dropped the pole. It clattered on the stone floor, a sound that echoed throughout the great hall. Brez sensed a change in the atmosphere, but was not entirely sure what had brought it about. Coin? Balor said. He gripped the arms of his throne and pulled himself forward, some skitters jumping up to the back of the seat and supporting his giant eye. What coin? As a rule, gods do not gulp out of fear. Being a deity of near-endless power, you tend to have very little reason to fear, let alone swallow as a fear-induced reflex. Right then, Brez decided to gulp, just to see what all the fuss was about. The act did very little to relieve him of his tension. Um, the coin. 
It was given to Filthy Henry by the other lot. To allow him to teleport around without the half-breed needing to use his limited abilities, Braz said. Did I not, not mention that was how they arrived here? You allowed a piece of the usurper's realm into my domain, without warning me. He has no power here. That's part of the rules. The two realms are separated. But if some of his realm is brought in here, he gains power. There came no warning at all. Without making a sound, all the skitters climbed up the throne and gripped parts of Balor's scabby eyelid in their long-fingered hands. As one of the creatures lifted the eyelid up, opening it, and pulled it back, Balor's giant pupil moved about beneath as light caused the iris to contract. The white of the eye was bloodshot and there was a strange yellowish tint to it. When the eyelid was fully pried open by the skitters, Balor's gaze fixed on Brez. A blinding beam of red light shot across the room. It raced through the air and smashed into the dark god's chest with the force of a thousand elephants. The impact sent him flying backwards through the great hall. He slammed into the wall, leaving a brez-shaped imprint in the stonework, before sliding to the ground and lying there. When you're awake, remember to fix those stones, Balor ordered. And the next time... You make sure to warn me about little tricks coming in with maggots. Nobody survived the dreadful gaze of Balor. It had killed whole swathes of mortals in a literal blink of an eye. But Brez was a god, so the gaze did not kill him. However, it injured him so badly that Brez did something most uncommon for a god. He passed out. Filthy Henry, The Impossible Victim, is book two of the Filthy Henry series by Derek Power. This completely free audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton. Other Filthy Henry books are available to buy on Amazon Kindle. <laughs>